Thank you, Chris, for those kind words. I'm excited to be here again, visiting you guys. It's, uh, you make it very easy to step in from the outside. Your hospitality, your attention, your warmth is very appreciated. Yeah, today is Pentecost Sunday. And like Chris mentioned, uh, Pentecost is um, probably the most unappreciated and undervalued holy day observed by the church. And I think that's largely because modern Christians, Western Christians, have turned Pentecost into a, um, the celebration of a private, personal um, experience. You know, um, you know, speaking in tongues, signs and wonders, and, and those things, which are significant, not to be ignored. But I think uh, we've largely lost sight of the big cosmic picture of Pentecost. And that's what I hope to, uh, I want to talk about today, because uh, I believe that if you grab hold of it, it, it can... Um, bring, it, it can have, um, you can have, even today, before you leave this place, uh, peace, a sense of peace, a, a stability, a security right now in the midst of the, you know, all we look at, you know, it, it's crazy. I try not to look at the news first thing in the morning because it just depresses me. But every place we look, we see trouble. And I believe that we carry that with us. Many of you carry that with you every day. I think that today there's going to be for many of you a breakthrough, a, a realization in your heart that you're safe and secure no matter what happens. The big cosmic plan. Pentecost. You know, God has always had a plan and he, that he's stuck to since the beginning of time. This plan has always been about his intention to have a home, to have a family, and to, have, to run a family business. That's my Trigiano version of all this theology and stuff that you might get at a seminary. God's desire has always been to dwell with his creation. You go back to the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. God isn't just building a universe. He's building a house for himself, a home, a temple where he would live in this world sharing his existence of love along with his crown, you know, sharing it with his crown jewel of creation, you, you and I, human beings. You, you could say that God, who is love, wanted a family. He wanted to be our father, sharing him and producing life in his creation together. joining 
in this together with us, not just being out there somewhere. <clears throat> so as we look at the beginning, at that time, heaven and earth were actually joined as one. God walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and where they enjoyed each other's company. And you know the story. You know, things were, you know, life was good. Life was very good. But that, did, that didn't last that long. You know, they developed a family problem. Sin ruptures the relationship between God and his creation, forcing him to banish Adam and Eve from the garden. Heaven and earth are separated. A calamity. Sin forms a wall separating humans from their creator. And although God continued to speak to people and to rule over our history, he wasn't directly present in the same way that he was in Eden. And as a consequence of the fall, God's presence becomes dangerously holy, yet still wonderfully encouraging for sinful human beings. Safety precautions have to be carefully followed at the risk of death. His presence is restricted to special places and to only special people. But despite all of this, God sticks to his plan to once again have a home, a family, and a family business. We read in Scripture, as God said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So when the time was just right, God sent his son to reconcile himself to, to all things by his death on the cross, ending the estrangement between humans and God caused by sin. Sin, you know, what sin disrupted, Jesus restores. Jesus himself replaces the temple. He was now uh, the new temple in person, the place where now heaven and earth meet, the new place where people could meet with God. Everything that normally happened in the temple is fulfilled and accomplished in him without any restrictions, any danger. And when he had 
once and for all removed the barrier of sin which separated mankind from God by uh, making sacrifice on the cross. Our great high priest cried out, it is finished. And the earth quaked and the thick temple curtain uh, that separated a holy God from sinful man was torn in two. The way into God's presence was again open. With Christ's resurrection, the final stage of God's plan to fully dwell again with his people was in full swing. And and just before Jesus ascends into into heaven. He orders his disciples to wait for the gift that the the Father promised. What's he referring to? What is this promise? The promise made through the prophets that God would some one day pour out his spirit and make his home again with his people, bringing them into his family business. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God calls and he equips his family to become ambassadors and become his co-workers, caretakers of his world, extending his kingdom and caring for creation like he had originally intended. Now, all this background is... is, uh, needed in order to appreciate what happens next. The arrival of the Holy Spirit in grand, magnificent, majestic fashion. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they are just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, 
Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. <laughs> Give them st- till seven. No. What you see here was, predict- was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Even on my servants, men and women alike, they will prophesy. The house where the disciples were staying was was shaking. A gale force, you know, wind blows and, 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 and fire appears. Two worlds collide, heaven and earth. God comes out of his old house and enters a new house, filling his new temple. The hearts of the believers. See? And Peter, in a stroke of divine inspiration, quotes the prophet Joel. He explains to a bewildered multinational crowd what's going on. Take a good look around. Read the signs. They're right under your nose, right in front of you. This is God's spirit being poured out. This is the start of new creation. The last days the prophet spoke of have been set into motion right now, today. This is what we've been waiting for. The time for God's promises to be fulfilled has finally arrived, and all sorts of new things are going to start happening. God's presence is with us. He's regathering his covenant family, finally. See, at Pentecost, you might say God changed his address. Now his follower, <clears throat> now we, followers of, of Jesus, are his new house. God's purpose from the beginning was to intimately dwell with us. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost accomplishes that purpose once and for all. God's personal presence so longed for was now given. The creator God who dwelt among humans in Eden who hid mysteriously behind the curtain in the tabernacle and in the temple The creator God who filled Christ was now dwelling within his new temple people by his spirit. Now every person, every person who calls on Christ's name will be reconciled to God and blessed with his spirit. They will become united by the spirit to one another as members of of his new family, the church. 
And what the, what the Spirit created on the day of Pentecost wasn't a new creed, a new religion, a, a book, a, a, a theology, but a dynamic community. The beginning of a worldwide, diverse, unified family. The corporate body of believers is now the place where he lives. We, all of us here this morning, are now God's house. Paul put it this way. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, they become God's mobile temples through which he now conducts family business of reconciliation. Wherever they went, they bore witness to the living God who was living in them. They spread the good news of the gospel, establishing colonies of, of God's kingdom, church communities, living as though the world had changed. And it had. Jesus was now in charge. They lived differently the way Jesus lived. Loving one another, loving their neighbors, extending forgiveness to their enemies, caring for the poor, healing the distressed and the sick. All the stuff that you know, Jesus went around doing, that's what they did. They, proclaiming and demonstrating that the world now had a new king. But this isn't the end of the story of Pentecost. The best is yet to come. As the book of Revelation, a book about the end of the last days, as Revelation comes to a close, we're given a vision of a grand, majestic finale. <clears throat> and surprisingly enough, it, it concludes with a wedding. The marriage of heaven and earth. With God announcing that he has come to live with humanity forever and that he's making everything new. It, it, it's a, a mind-blowing look at the fulfillment of God's plan. We read, 
Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as a crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's an, it's an all-new garden of Eden. Now, a city garden, a garden city, built by God, not by humans. A, a new world of eternal life with God. A great city where human cultures and all their, in all their diversity work together in peace and in harmony. All the nations are there <coughs> working with God to take care of new creation, you know, to take hold of it and, and, and bring it into uncharted territory, into the, off into eternity. But interesting enough, there's something missing that John notices. There's, there's no temple in the new creation. The presence of God that was once limited to this temple building now permeates every square inch of this new world. All of new creation will be God's holy of holies. God's presence will fill the whole earth. God will have his home. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. God will have his family. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of, of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. His promises are kept. His plan is fulfilled. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, Paul the Apostle wrote, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. That's the big cosmic picture of Pentecost. That's the fulfillment of the promise held out to us by Pentecost. The consummation of God's plan to have a family, a home, and a thriving family business 
we can enjoy with him forever. God's domain and our domain will one day completely be united. All things will be made new. Death will be replaced by life. The whole earth will be a, 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 a recreation of the garden and the glory of the presence of God will cover. Every nation will be blessed through the power of the resurrected Jesus. All new creation will become the holy of holies. God's own personal presence will soak the new creation, flooding it with life. Unimaginable. We can't hardly grasp it. But we know it. Because we don't have to wait for the promise to start <clears throat> becoming a reality. In some, we don't have to wait for some far off future. Speaking of, uh, uh, you know, speaking of this new creation, Paul writes, God himself has prepared for us this, and he's talking about new creation here. God has prepared for us this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his spirit. In other words, what he's saying here is that the Spirit himself has been poured out to make this future real in the present. See? In other words, he is the first installment and guarantee of this new world with his, uh, which is pictured for us in Revelation. When we think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we shouldn't only think about the fact that the Spirit lives in our hearts to transform us and make us better people, which is true, but also that the Spirit dwells in us as a sample of the new world that is going to come. A, down, a deposit Guaranteeing what's ahead. A taste, Scripture says, of the future. A taste of the future world inside of us. A guarantee that God will keep his promise of a home, a family, and a family business that he wants to enjoy with us forever. And you know, we experience this now. You know that the moments of love Joy, rest, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control are fruit of a new world yet to, yet to come deposited in our lives by the Spirit. A down payment guaranteeing a safe and secure future, changing how we live now. It has an effect God's new world planted and growing in us by his spirit, turning us 
into witnesses of the new world and its new king. And Peter, uh, experiencing this, talking about encouraging Christians that were under pressure, that were living in a dangerous world themselves. He says, this is our living hope. It's living because it has power, power from the future that produces changes in the way we live here and now. Hope that pushes out fear and anxiety that we experience in this dangerous and uncertain world. Hope that, that, that overcomes greed and selfishness of the world and replaces it with generosity and hospitality. Hope that, that motivates and energizes us towards godly living in an ungodly world. Hope that, that was delivered on Pentecost by the Holy Spirit, God with us, in us, right now. Some of you are carrying a burden of, of, of worry and anxiety. Over the last two years, you know, it's been the... We, we, you know, I don't know about you, but I kept on there, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It doesn't get better. I don't want to be a pessimist or anything, because I am full of hope. <laughs> but am I the only one that sees that? I mean, like, you're thinking, oh, you know, COVID, two years of COVID, and all this stuff, and, oh, okay. and then now, it's just like one thing after another. World events, national events. Horrible. And, 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 and in, in, even in your own lives, some of you are experiencing hardship right now, worry. Your finances are being, you know, eaten away. Every time you go to the gas pump, you think you're going to, well, how am I going to pay for this? You know, I'm gonna, this is going to bankrupt me. You know, you worry about your rent going up. We're worrying about, uh, you know, the, the, the safe, our safety every time we go to work on the subway. Now we're looking around. We're, you know, on edge. It's crazy. And I know that some of you are, are carrying burdens and worry with you. I just want you to know today there is a living hope that we could grab hold of this Pentecost reality that there, you have a safe and secure future. I want you to just right now, you know, do, do any of you know how to float in the water? <laughs> Did, you know, when I was a little kid and I was first learning how to swim, man, that was a hard thing for me to learn because I was, you know, I wanted, I was too active. I was too restless. I was too afraid. And I, kept, and I was sink. Then I realized I didn't have to do that, and I lay back, and the water carried me. I just rested. You can do that. Yes. You can do that with, the, with, with God and the Spirit. I want you to imagine right now, right now, now. Now is the only time God is present and active. Not in the past. That's the past. The future is yet to come right now, in this moment, today, in this room. I want you to imagine yourself surrounded 
immersed, floating in an ocean, a calm, peaceful, refreshing ocean of God's perfect love for you. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, now, right where you sit. Can you do that? Can you be awake to that reality? Because God is with you. His spirit is in you. And he's moving you towards a certain future. You're going to be okay. Those of you that are worried here today about your health, about your family, about your, your job or your finances or your safety, you're going to be okay. This is the hope. This is the reality of Pentecost. And if you're here this morning, this might be a little different than, than, than what you expected, but I'm going to ask you to, if you, if you know that you're, you're carrying burden, worry, maybe physical, Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's family. Whatever. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to be the family of God, the temple, the Holy Spirit, where God can manifest his presence, where, where heaven and earth are going to meet with you together. And, and, and again, awaken the reality that you really are his child. You really are part of his family. And you really are called to a, a future of life. You really are. Nothing, 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 nothing will separate you from that future. Nothing on this earth that can happen to you will separate you from that future. It's there. And what you're feeling inside, there's something happening. There's a, uh, this presence, this something. You know. That's when, what, what the scripture says, what Romans says, that, that the Holy Spirit bears witness that this is real, that you really are part of thing right now you feel I'm not that good to get you guys feeling it. this is this Holy Spirit doing it so I want those of you that, that are feeling this you brought, you're carrying a load of worry or anxiety or stress, pressure I want you to stand to your feet right now we're going to all surround you as the body Christ as the family of God and the Holy Spirit in us, in each one of us is going to touch one another yeah we don't have enough individuals to pray for every year so we're going to have to, those of you, even those of you that are I just want you to if, if there's uh, if you can, just put your hand on each other's shoulder or something okay there's somebody standing alone, just come on out of your seat and just don't let them stand alone. 
We are the body of Christ. We are, and He's present in and through us. And I, you don't have to, you don't have to pray, pray any fancy prayers. You know, what do I pray? I don't know what to pray. He helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. It says in Romans, and prays prayers in us through us that we don't even understand with our brains but we understand with our heart as we stand with each other wake up to his presence right now this is his presence in us you're going to be okay now Holy Spirit we honor you in our presence we honor you we... Yes. come release in a, in a deep fresh new way an awareness of what's really going on you are carrying out, fulfilling your plan to unite us together with you forever by your spirit. And nothing can separate us from you. And I pray, Lord, those that are standing that are carrying burdens in the name of Jesus, break the power of lies that say that this, that, that this is there's no hope for them that they are all alone I break the power of that lie that evil in this world is too powerful that they are helpless that it's going to ruin them somehow break the power of that lie I break the power of of, of, of illness sickness and worry that eat away at our peace and our rest. In Jesus' name. Breathe life. You promise, you said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Set us free from worry and burden today. Replace it with hope, joy, peace. You promised your peace. You promised your joy, Lord Jesus. We need that. Thank you. Now remember I said about floating in that ocean. You don't have to do much. Just, we're going to worship for, for a, a few more minutes. And we're going we're gonna to float. We're going to relax. And just allow, we're going we're gonna to marinate in the presence of God's love.